Hi guys, welcome back to my podcast, Fictional Audiobooks. The first book I will be reading is one of my favorites, A Court of Thorns and Roses by Sarah J. Moss. Chapter 1. The forest had become laborious of snow and ice. I'd been monitoring the perimeters of the thicket for an hour, and my vantage point in the crook of a tree branch had turned useless. The gusting wind blew thick flurries to sweep away my tracks, but buried along with them any sense of potential query. Hunger had brought me farther from home than I usually risked, but winter was the hard time. The animals had pulled in, going deeper into the woods than I could follow leaving me to pick off stragglers one by one, praying they'd last until spring. They hadn't. I wiped my thumb, my numb fingers over my eyes, brushing away the flakes clinging to my lashes. There was no telltale strip of bark to mark the tree, the deer's passing. They hadn't yet moved. They would remain until dark, until the bark ran out. But then travel north, past the wolves' territory, and into perhaps the very land of Perthian, where no mortal would dare go unless they had a death wish. A shudder skittered down my spine at the thought, and I shoved it away, focusing on my surroundings, on the task ahead. That was all I could do, all I'd been able to do for years, focus on surviving the week, the day, the hour ahead. And now, with the snow, I'd be lucky to spot anything, especially from the position up in the tree, scarcely able to see 15 feet ahead, stifling a groan as... My stiff limbs protested at the movement. I unstrung my bow before easing off the tree. The icy snow crunched under my frying boots, and I ground my teeth. Low visibility, unnecessary noise. I was well on my way to another fruitless hunt. Only a few hours of daylight remained. If I didn't leave soon, I'd have to navigate my way home in the dark. And the warning of the town hunters still rang fresh in my mind. Giant wolves were on the prowl, and in numbers, not to mention whispers of strange folks spotted in the area, tall, eerie, and deadly. Anything but fairies, the hunters had beseeched our long-forgotten gods, and I had secretly prayed alongside them. In the eight years we'd been living in our village, two days' journey from the immortal portal of Perithian, we'd been spared an attack. Though traveling peddlers sometimes brought stories of distant border towns left in splinters and bones and ashes. These accounts, once rare enough to dismissed by the vid- village elders as hearsay, and in recent months become a commonplace whisperings on every market day. 
I had risks, risked much in coming so far in the forest, but we'd finished our last loaf of bread yesterday and the reminder of our dried meat the day before. Still, I could have, I would rather spent another night with a hungry belly than found myself satisfying the appetite of a wolf or a fairy. Not that there was much of me to feast on. I turned gangly by this time of year and a good count and could count a good number of my ribs, moving as nimbly and quietly as I could between the trees, I pushed a hand against the hollow of my aching stomach. I knew the expression would be on my two elder sisters' faces when I returned to our cottage empty-handed yet again. A few minutes of careful searching, I crouched in a cluster of snow-heavy brambles. Though the thorns, I had a half-decent view of a clearing and a small brook flowing through it. A few holes in the ice suggested it was frequently used. Hopefully something could come by, hopefully. I sighed through my nose, digging the tip of my bow into the ground and leaned my forehead against the crude curve of wood. We wouldn't last another week without food, and too many families had already started begging for me to hope for a handouts for from the wealthier townsfolk. I witnessed firsthand exactly how far their charity went. I eased into a more comfortable position and calmed my breathing, straining to listen to the forest over the wind. The snow fell and fell, dancing and curling and sparkling spindrifts. The white fresh and clean against the brown and gray of the world. And despite myself, despite my numb limbs, I quiet, I quieted that relentless, vicious part of my mind to take in the snow-veiled woods. Once I had been second nature to savor the contrast of new grass against bark, tilled soil of an amethyst brooch nesting in folds emerald silk once i dreamed and breathed in the thought and color and light and shape sometimes i would even indulge in envisioning a day when my sisters were married and there would only be me and father enough time to put those colors and shapes down on paper or canvas or the cottage walls. Not likely to happen anytime soon, perhaps ever. So I was left with moments like this, admiring the glint of pale winter light on snow. I couldn't remember the last time I'd done it, bothered to notice anything lovely or interesting. Stolen hours in a decrepit barn with Isaac Hale didn't count. Those times were hungry and empty and sometimes cruel, but never lovely. The howling wind calmed into a soft sighing. The snow fell lazily now, 
in big fat clumps that gathered along every nook and bump of the trees. Mesmerizing the lethal gentle beauty of the snow, I'd soon have to return to the muddy frozen roads of the village to cramp to the cramped heat of our cottage. Some small fragmented part of me recoiled at the thought. Bushes rustled across the clearing. Drawing my bow was a matter of instinct. I peered through the thorns in my breath caught. Less than 30 paces away was a small doe. Not yet too scrawny from winter, but desperate enough to wench bark from a tree in the clearing. A deer like that could feed my family for a week or more. My mouth watered quiet as the wind hissed through dead leaves. I took aim. She continued tearing off strips of bark, chewing slowly, utterly unaware that her death awaited yards away. I could dry half the meat, and we could immediately eat the rest. Stew pies. Her skin could be sold and perhaps turned into clothing for one of us. I needed new boots, but Elaine needed a new cloak. Nesta was prone to crave anything someone else possessed. My fingers trembled. So much food, such salvation. I took a steady breath, double-checking my aim. But there was a pair of golden eyes shining from the bush adjacent to mine. The forest went silent and the wind died. Even the snow paused. We mortals no longer kept gods to worship. But if I had known their lost names, I would have prayed to them. All of them concealed in the thicket, a wolf inched closer, its gaze set on the obsidious doe. He was enormous, the size of a pony. And though I warned, I'd been warned about their presence, my mouth turned bone dry. But worse than his size was a natural stealth. Even as he inched closer in the bush, he remained unheard, unspotted by the doe. No animal that massive could be so quiet, but he was no ordinary animal. If he was of Perithian origin, if he was somehow a fairy being, then being eaten was the least of my concerns. If he was a fairy, I should probably already be running. Yes, maybe. Maybe it would be a favor to the world, to my village, to myself, to kill him. While I remained undetected, putting an arrow through his eye would be no burden. But despite his size, he looked like a wolf, moved like a wolf animal, I assured myself. Just an animal. I didn't let myself consider the alternative, not when I needed my head clear, my breathing steady. I had a hunting knife and three arrows. The two were ordinary arrows, simple and affectant, and likely no more than beastings to a wolf that size.
The third arrow, the longest, the heaviest one, I'd bought from a traveling peddler during the summer when we had enough coppers for extra luxuries. An arrow carved from a mountain ash armed with an iron head. From songs sung to us as lullabies over our cradles, we all knew from infancy that fairies hated iron. But it was the ash wood that their immortal healing magic falter long enough for a human to take a killing blow. Or so legends and rumors claimed. The only proof we had that ash, the ash's effectiveness was a sheer rarity. I'd seen drawings of the trees, but never one in, with my own eyes. Not after the hyphae had burned them long ago. So few remained, most of them small and sickly and hidden by nobility within the high-walled groves. I spent weeks after my purchase debating whether that overpriced bit of wood had been a waste of money or a fake. And for three years, the ash arrow had sat unused in my quiver. Now I drew, keeping my movements minimal, affectant, anything to avoid that monstrous wolf looking in my direction. The arrow was long and heavy enough to inflict damage, possibly kill him. If I aimed right, my chest began to tight. It ached. And in that moment, I realized my life boiled down to one question. Was the wolf alone? I gripped my bow and drew the string farther back. I was a decent shot, but I'd never faced a wolf. I thought it made me lucky, even blessed, but now I hadn't known where to hit or how fast they moved. I couldn't afford to miss, not when I only had one ash arrow. If it was indeed a fairy's heart pounding under that fur, then good riddance, good riddance after all their kind of Sorry, after all their kind had done to us, I wouldn't risk this one later creeping into our village to slaughter the main and the torment and let him die here. I'd be glad to end him. The wolf crept closer and a twig snapped beneath one of his paws, each bigger than my hand. The doe went rigid. She glanced to either side, ears straining toward the gray sky. With the wolf's downwind position, she couldn't see him or smell him. His head lowered, his massive silver body so perfectly blended into the snow and shadows sank into the hutches. 
The doe was still staring in the wrong direction. I glanced from the doe to the wolf and back again. At least he was alone. At least I'd been spared that much. But if the wolf was scared the doe off, I, I was left with nothing but a starving oversized wolf, possibly a fairy, looking for the next best meal. If he'd killed her, destroying precious amounts of hide and fat, if I judged wrongly my life wasn't the only one, that would be lost. But my life had been reduced to nothing but risks these past eight years that I'd hunted in the woods I'd picked correctly most of the time. Most of the time. The wolf shot from the bush in a flash of gray and white and black, his yellow fangs gleaming. He was even more, sorry if I get this word wrong, gradient in the open, a marvel of muscle and speed and brute strength. The doe didn't stand a chance. I fired the ash arrow before he destroyed much else of her. The arrow found its mark in its scythe, and I could have sworn the ground itself shuddered. He barked in pain, releasing the doe's neck, and his blood sprayed on the snow, so ruby bright. He whirled to toward me, those yellow eyes wide, hackles raised, his low growl reverberated in the empty pit of my stomach as I surged to my feet, snow churning around me, another arrow drawn. But the wolf merely looked at me, his maw strained with blood. My ash arrow fruiting so vulgarly from his side, the snow began to fall again. He looked with a sort of awareness and surprise that made me fire the second arrow just in case, just in case that intelligence of the immortal wicked short. I didn't try to dodge the arrow. Sorry, he didn't try to dodge the arrow as it went clean through his wide yellow eye. He collapsed to the ground. Color and darkness whirled, edding in my vision, mixing with the snow. His legs were twitching as a low whine silenced, sliced through the wind. Impossible. He should be dead, not dying. The area... The arrow was through his eye almost to the goose flesh fletching. But wolf or fairy, it didn't matter. Not with the at ash arrow buried in his side. He'd be dead soon enough. Still, my hand shook as I brushed off snow and edging closer, still keeping a good distance. Blood gushed from the wounds I'd given him, staining the snow. Grimson. He pawed at the ground, his breathing already slowing. Was he in much pain, or was his whimper just an attempt to shove death away? I wasn't sure I wanted to know. 
The snow swirled around us. I stared at him until that coat of charcoal and obsidian and ivory seized, rising and falling. The wolf definitely was a wolf, despite its size. The tightness in my chest eased, and I loosed a sigh, my breath clouding in front of me. At least that ash arrow had proved itself to be lethal, regardless of who or what it took down. A rapid examination of the doe told me I could carry only one animal, and even that would be a struggle. But it was a shame to leave the wolf. Well, it wasted precious minutes, minutes during which any predator could smell the fresh blood I skinned him and cleaned my arrows as best as I could. If anything, it warmed my hands. I wrapped the bloody side of his pelt around the doe's death wound before I hoisted her over my shoulder. And in several miles back to our cottage, I didn't need a trail of blood leading every animal with fangs and claws straight to me. Grunting against the weight, I grasped the legs of the deer and spread a final glance of streaming crest of the wolf. His remaining golden eye now starred in the snow. Heavy sky, and for a moment I wished I had it in me to feel remorse for the dead thing. But this was the forest, and it was winter. That is the end of chapter one. Come back next week or whenever I post the next part of chapter two. Please make sure to tell your friends, family, and everyone you know about this podcast. I'd really like it to have more than just one follower that is my Spotify account. Thank you.